21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. What's the main, the basic difference between uh, uh, being startup in Canada and being startup in USA or the rest of the world? I can't tell really for the rest of the for Canada, but here in Montreal, we have a really good uh, startup ecosystem. So we do get a lot of money from the government. We get a lot of grants. We get a lot of support. Uh, there's some amazing local um, organizations such as PME Montreal, which is, means a small to medium-sized enterprise Montreal. And they gave us so much support. They gave us so many grants at the beginning of the business. That really helped us out to start the business because without those grants, we would never you know, been able to start. But I think uh, the, that's the good part. But the bad part is that when you want to do a buyout, so when you, let's say you want to sell the company, there's a lot less equity here in Montreal and Quebec than there is in the United States. So if everyone sell the company, and I, I'm not saying that we want to because things are going really well, but it would be much harder to sell it here in Quebec for the amount that we would want to than let's say uh, New York, uh, California, or Florida, where there's really more of a VC culture and um, a lot more equity for sure than here in uh, Quebec. The other factors of, of course, the, the people who work for us, you know, if you are United States, you have a much better chance recruiting somebody from, you know, say Stanford or let's say uh, the most pre prestigious schools in California or Florida here in Canada. Of course, the schools don't have uh, such prestige, let's say, than in the United States, but we are very happy of our recruiting force uh, and uh, and because of that, the salaries, of course, are not as big as they would be in the United States. Um, yeah. What's the life cycle, uh, typical life cycle in Canada versus versus the States? So, so in Canada, the and right now, um, it's, it's hard to say to generalize to all businesses, but what I see is that you know in Canada, there's not this type of mentality where like I'm going to build a business and with within one or two years, I'm going to sell it to a VC and retire on a beach. Here, it's more like okay, I'm going to start a business and. Uh, grow with it and uh, maybe even retire with it and give it to my children. Rather than the United States, I feel it's more like, because you know, all the, the startup movies and all the, all these people uh, in TikTok, Instagram, they're like, okay, build fast and sell even faster. I feel like that, that culture is much more present in the United States than in Canada, uh, especially here in Montreal. In Montreal, we have something called the uh, born for a little bread, which in English doesn't sound that good. It's called in French, Nippon uh, Spain. So it's it, we it, it's like um, we have a very strong Catholic background. So it's like we don't really like to talk about money. We don't really you know if nobody talks about their salaries at parties or etc. Where I know in the United States, like first thing you do when you meet somebody, it's almost like, hey, how much do you make? For us here, it's like, hey, what do you do for a living? Um, and uh, so it's not, you know, working to become rich or building company to become rich is not the main goal here. Whereas in the United States, I feel that that's much more present. So as soon as you start the business, you already thinking about the exit. Whereas here, that's not really the main focus. Is there any difference uh, uh, between Canada and, and the States in uh, full time versus VAs ratio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, 
I feel like in the United States, they have integrated that much more, the VA system, uh, whereas here in Canada, especially in Montreal, it's, it's much more like full-time uh, employees that work from the office. Um, but of course, the pandemic has accelerated a lot in the culture in Canada, and we are seeing much more people who are VA. Um, and, you know, the offers from the EVA has become much more pref uh, professionalized in the past years. Uh, we see like uh, services, amazing services that come from the Philippines, India, that before kind of seemed, you know, a bit of to use a nice term, a bit sketchy, whereas now it's super professional and it seems like you can't even notice that there's a difference between a Filipino company and an American company. The only difference is really the price. Uh, the quality of the website is the same, the quality of the email are the same that they send, um, and the quality of the work that they do is the same. And it's really just the price is difference. And uh, I, I see that being a huge problem for a lot of people who don't have and that much education or that don't have a high value job. Um, I, I, I don't see how, what would be the advantage for, let's say, uh, somebody who just does copy, uh, who would be not in the Philippines. You know, why would you want to hire somebody at half of the price with no social advantages, et cetera? It's, it's, a, it's a hard question to answer for sure. And what's the engagement situation uh, in, in Canada? Is it low, I high? It's really hard to answer because the pandemic has really changed the game. So um, working from home, obviously, for a lot of different reasons, makes you feel less engaged in your workforce. Um, that is something, sadly, that we, of course, have felt at our job. It is a big difference when you see your colleagues every day and eat with them. And uh, after your job, it's so much easier to say, to say, like, hey, do you want to go get an ice cream? Do you want to go on a for a drink whereas when you're at home you basically are all alone all the time so you don't feel so uh, integrated uh, in your business so um, in the past two years it's been it's been quite hard for that and uh, we're at our company we're doing a lot of work to try to re-engage our, our employees and it's going pretty well simply because we have a very strong mission which is to help people who suffer from hyperhidrosis so excessive sweating so people who work with us uh, are so excited to be part of this mission which is so positive and brings amazing uh, change in people's lives so our on our side we're very lucky our employees are very engaged but of course i think for every company in canada united states and across the world who had to have employees who work from home it's been a, a hard time for the engagement for sure When you say it's essential to sell a product that people really need, what do you speak about? That's a that's a really good question. So basically, uh, just to give you maybe your listeners a bit of background, we sell a machine that treats hyperhidrosis. So uh, that is the scientific term to describe excessive sweating. Basically, the founder of this company, he had excessive sweating on his hands and feet. And he tried everything to uh, find a solution for himself. Um, and because he didn't find any solutions, he said to himself, I'm going to build my own. He got me and another one of his friends to work with him. So we are all the co-founders. And once we found the perfect solution for him, it was like such a moment that changed his life that we knew that everybody who had that same problem would have the same type of intrinsic um, well-being when they use a machine.
the machine, when it solves a real problem, that's half of the marketing that's done for you. When you have a product or a service that people don't really need, you need to convince them that much more. It's like, you know, there's a saying like, imagine needing to sell uh, some ice or some snow to an Eskimo, something that he really doesn't need. Whereas imagine trying to sell some sunscreen to somebody who's on the beach and it's, uh, uh, let's say, 90 Fahrenheit outside. It's much easier to sell that sunscreen than to sell the, the snow to Eskimo. So that's why it's so essential to make sure that when you're selling your product, when you're offering a service, that that is really responding to a real need. Because if not, you will spend a lot of money on Facebook marketing. You will spend a lot of time creating TikToks that nobody are going to watch and that nobody's going to purchase your machine. So save you the time and the money and make sure that your product is really essential. How do you find out what the real need is? So in our case, it was kind of easy because our co-founder had this problem. He had excessive sweating on his hands and on his feet. So we actually only fixed the problem that he had. By fixing that problem, then we realized that uh, we could fix the problem of everybody who had excessive sweating. Um, so basically, he had excessive sweating, and we look at the literature. We saw that five percent of the general population had excessive sweating, and we said to ourselves, "Okay, this is a big enough market for us to create a career out of it." and to help a, a, a significant amount of people. Um, and that's when we went ahead. So basically what I would recommend is if you figure out that somebody needs something, you can see what is the percentage of people who have the same needs as him. And from there out, uh, you could create your, your business like that. The part is analog, of course, is the technology. So we took a technology that was called an ion tool freezes device. And uh, we took the, we really thought it was the best way to treat excessive sweating. The, where we took a leap of faith was in the business model. So instead of selling to doctors, instead of selling via distributors, we said, let's take the solution and sell it directly to the consumer. So we took the leap of faith uh, of the DTC model of an industry. Medical devices are usually very, 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 very conservative. Though they, so they only want to sell via distributors, doctors, health clinics, etc. Our leap of faith was saying to ourselves, let's disrupt the business model and go directly to the consumer. And this really has been the great game changer because nobody in our field was doing Google AdWords words nobody was doing facebook uh, ads um so the cost per acquisition online was very very low and very quickly we knew that our leap of faith was the way to go uh, we we were confirmed in our uh, first hypothesis what was the biggest challenge you had and how did you solve it Wow, that's a, that's a good question. So I feel like every week we have a, a bigger challenge than the week before. Uh, when we started the company, it was really to uh, make people believe in our product and in ourselves. Um, we, I, we believed in ourselves uh, maybe more than we should have, 
but uh, nobody wanted to give us any funding. And as a medical device, we needed some funding to start the business, start production, create the prototypes, etc. So that was really the biggest problem at the beginning, making sure that people believed in our product, in our mission, and in ourselves. Once that happened, and we actually figured out that was the easy part. Afterwards, it was all creating the prototype of a machine, getting certified in the uh, USA, uh, getting certified in Europe, all those things took sleepless nights, took weeks and weekends of work. Um, and right now, I think like everybody across the world, of course, there's a supply chain issues that right now is our big problem. Um, but the beautiful thing of having a business for five years is realizing that the, the problems always have a solution. So every time we had a big problem, we thought to ourselves, this is over. <laughs> the business is over. We can't go forward. And every time we found a solution and we just became bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, so I think that is, you know, a, a reminder to myself uh, that every problem has a solution and finding that solution will only just make you uh, better, smarter and work in a more efficient way. Uh, what was your most important transformation regarding working in team with your co-founder? That's a really good question. So basically, we were all uh, working not uh, by ourselves, but we had, you know, our, all our own little projects. And working together, it was the first time where we really needed to work together as a team uh, and make sure that we were aligned with other people's strategies. So it made us become uh, better communicators. Um, sometimes it was really hard because it's you don't always share the same vision as other people. But it made us understand that uh, sometimes three heads is much better than one. You go, you move a bit slower, but you move a lot better and uh, a lot smarter. So those were the things: learning to compromise on your ideas uh, and learning to listen to other people which is, is much harder to say than to do. Actively listening is an art. So not just saying, yes, I know what you mean. It's just like really understanding where the, peeper, the person comes from, where his ideas come from. Uh, that's really the essential. And so, yeah, working with other people made us a better listeners and uh, a much better uh, marketing people and much better strategists. were the most uh, important lessons from the process and the most important lessons was try your uh, intuitions very quickly so for us of course it was we wanted to use a DTC model and by using a website that when I look back I'm like oh my god this is so awkward it's like kind of cringy but back then it was exactly what we needed simply to test the business model of DTC and uh, trying some Google ads that when we look back, they're really bad. But in fact, at least they allowed us to try uh, this model. And same thing for Google ads. We just put some Google ads out there. We didn't wait to see if it was perfect. We just did it. And very quickly, we did some sales. And with those sales, we had money enough to do better tests, to have better content, and just to scale from there. What is the difference between those, let's call them standard channels, like Facebook sales channels? Yeah. channels? Um, uh, back then and now. I mean, now you need approximately seventy dollars for uh, per acquisition, and back then was five dollars or ten dollars or any yeah, yeah, other yeah. changes. 
Well, of course, Facebook, the iOS change that changes everything for not only for us, but for everyone. But the big difference, let's say for Google ads, is that before we were almost the only people using that sell challenge. Uh, our competitors, of course, they saw that we were doing this. They realized that this was an amazing way to go forward. And then we had some competition on some keywords that we didn't have any competitions before. So those are kind of the big difference. Simply, we were on an untapped market. We're the only people using it. So of course, the, the, the cost per acquisition was much lower because of that. What motivates you and what makes you happy? And so basically what motivates me in my job, and I'm very, very lucky, is that we help people treat probably one of the, the more serious problems that they have. So basically people who suffer from excessive sweating are uh, five times uh, more, there's a higher rate of uh, being depressed, having severe anxiety and even uh, suicide attempts. And so being able to help them solve the biggest problem that they have, that brings me so much motivation. And even when there's days where I'm not happy, and even when there's days where the sales are not going so well, just reading the reviews of somebody who says, because of you, I was able to hold my wife's hand for the first time without being ashamed. Because of you, I was able to go to a job interview without being stressed. And all these little things, when I read them, I'm like, okay, this is worth it. So that is what brings me the most joy um, is having this amazing mission. So that, that is also something that I always talk to with people who are young entrepreneurs. Make sure that you have an offer or a job that you really like, because when there's going to be low days and when the sales are going to be bad and you're wondering to yourself, why am I doing this? There needs to be a good answer, because if not, you will want to want to quit or you're going to be burned out pretty quick. Any tips and tricks regarding your mindset, your daily routine for entrepreneurs around the world? That's a great question as well. So basically, there's this amazing line. I think it's Mike Tyson that says you could have the most amazing plan. But as soon as you receive the first punch, that's where the real boxing game begins. So we, we, yeah, we do have a lot of strategies here at German Dry. We do have a lot of, you know, business plans and what we want to do in Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. But afterwards, the war in Ukraine starts. Afterwards, you have all these supply chain issues left and right. You have massive inflation. So it's really, um, I think what this business has brought me is be, be as agile as possible. So have a plan, but understand that this plan is rarely going to be met. Um, and the, the most important part is always to move forward. Um, that is really the most important part. Uh, so setting objectives, making sure that even though you don't fulfill these objectives, realizing that at least you're not still at square one and uh, always not staying, not being complacent of what you're doing, but always try to move forward. Matthew, in five years. Oh, in five years. Okay, so in five years, our aim is to become the alternative to deodorants, uh, being every shell, uh, in uh, every big company such as Costco, Walmart, uh, Amazon. Um, and uh, that when you say Dermadry, you won't be like, hey, what's that? You'll be like, oh, Dermadry, of course, I already have a machine at home. <laughs> so that is the objective in five years. 
what are some of your most significant roles in life as a friend, as a proprietor, as a sportsman, intellectual? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is possible. Uh, beforehand, we, you know, we had this uh, roadmap in front of us. We wanted to do X, Y, Z. Of course, it's always so much harder than the roadmap really is. And uh, it's very easy to get discouraged. But when I look back and I see everything that we accomplished as a company and as an individual, I'm thinking to myself, everything is possible. And the five, six, seven, eight to 10 years like if I did this with almost no money and with almost no help, now that our company has the the money and the terms and you know the confidence from our business partners, you know the sky really is the limit, and I think that we could accomplish amazing things. Um, I think that now uh, my 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 goal and my my position in the company is to show to other people to inspire them that everything is possible and also um, to show them what are the steps that we need to take to make sure that we accomplish these things so you know now that i have i did it myself i need to transmit that knowledge of how to do it uh, and make sure that people understand that um, even though there's a lot of obstacles along, along the way you know sky really is the limit If you want to learn more about Dermadry, the anti-sweat device, please go on our website, dermadry.com. D-E-R-M-A-D-R-Y.com. If not, we are on TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. We would love to be able to help you treat your excessive sweating. And I hope that if Dermadry is not the solution for you, Please come and talk to us and we'll make sure that we find the correct solution for you. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.